I like the analogy of like community just happens, right? I think perhaps sometimes if you create products or communities of practice, um, community just emerges because it's a, it's the right kind of situation. And I think those are the, the kind of, if, if we look around at some of the best communities out there, community has, has just like naturally happened. Welcome fellow avocados to Developer Advocast, a podcast where we learn how the proverbial guacamole is made directly <laughs> from some of the most prolific dev advocates around. My name is Jeremy Hess, head of DevRel at Achilles.io. And since you've already heard me, I'm Sharon Zisman, the bane of Jeremy's existence <laughs> and his jokes. Uh, I like to call myself the chief manual reader at RTFM Dev. And we plan to bring you every two to three weeks uh, new episodes, and we'll be interviewing some awesome folks. We'll be joking around because that's what me and Jeremy do. And, you know, bringing, uh, you know, really great topics that we want to talk about in the DevRel sphere. We hope that you subscribe on Apple or Spotify, and uh, please give us a five-star rating. Here we go. Here goes nothing. Welcome back, everybody, to Developer Advocast. We have a really fantastic episode for everybody today. We're going to be talking about building thriving dev communities with two awesome guests who have been doing this for quite a while and have great, great insight for us. But, Sharon, before we start, we always like to do some shout outs and then talk a little bit about some news going on. Uh, and so one of the tweets that I saw recently uh, was from Lauren Schaefer, and I'll obviously link that later, um, you know, when we get the, the episode up and all that. And she noted a really cool uh, developer advocates guide to metrics and reporting uh, that was written up by Kurt Kempel, who's uh, a DevRel as well. So a really, really uh, insightful yeah, it's a long, it's a, it's a really long, detailed post that gives a lot of great information. Um, and I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, one of our favorite Twitter uh, handles, uh, Devrel Avocados. So yay, Devrel Avocados, we love you. Yeah, amazing stuff. They, they post a lot of the really great articles as well that we see. So we have an excellent newsletter as well. You should subscribe. Yeah, and they should, they should tweet us as well. So <laughs> Devrel Avocados, please make sure to tweet our show. There are no ulterior motives here, but you should, Not at you all. should maybe think about tweeting us, maybe. Uh <laughs> there you go. And <laughs> yeah, what? what? <laughs> but we do appreciate them nonetheless, even if we haven't earned that tweet. Um... Agree, 100%, 100%. So getting into a little bit about uh, some things happening. One of the interesting oh, things that happened just recently was so some hacking Okta. going on. It's funny because uh, oh, I actually Okta. emceed a, a conference last week, DevOps JS, for DevOps JS. That was fun. Uh, and Okta was one of the main sponsors. And everyone was like, Okta. <laughs> kind of, the voice is kind of cracking when they're reading their sponsor uh, uh, thing, you know, rock solid what security, whatever. I don't remember what the what their blurb was, but it's kind of funny. Um, I actually read that they found out that this lapsus group is run by like a 16-year-old kid in the UK. Oh wow. Which is like insane. I'm like, wow, some people are just super duper smart. Now I'm always wondering about this kind of hack stuff that we find out, you know, like, oh, back in January and we find it out in March. And it's like, 
what what's going on? Why is it taking two months to do all this stuff? I don't know, but there must be something. What do they know about me? <laughs> there must be something behind the, the insanity of finding out all these hacks happening right. well, months and months to, later. They need to patch it first. They need Verify to like, it, confirm verify. everything. Yeah, and then, I mean, I guess the, the time to patch is uh, two months, I feel like, is, I guess, reasonable if it's a, it's a complex one. I don't know. But yeah. Long enough, but apparently Octodrop. They, they don't want everyone taking advantage of it before it's actually fixed. They're like, all right, we have a vulnerability. We'll get to it later. <laughs> we'll get to fixing it, but just so everybody oh knows. <laughs> well, here's here's to security. Um, yes, Aquila. Good luck. Good good luck. To, yeah, well, good luck to. I'm not I'm not shouting out. We're happy we have. Uh, we're happy we have the Achilleses on the fence. Keep protecting us as we sleep. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> so we're talking about protecting us and people getting hacked yeah. left and right. So let's not. Uh... <laughs> but, but how about this episode, Jeremy? Community, our favorite, our favorite thing, our sweet spot. Let's do it. Let's. And do Jeremy it. and I have been building uh, communities together for like seven, eight years. The OpenStack turned cloud native community, and then uh, the DevOps community. So we know about chopping wood and carrying water, but it's always a pleasure to learn from those who've done it bigger and even better than us. And that's why we have. Two really sp spectacular guests tonight. Um, I'd like to introduce Rosie Sherry, formerly at Orbit, now uh, heading up Rosie Land, and she's going to tell us a little bit about that, but uh, also formerly Ministry of Testing, if I recall correctly. Uh, and Nimrod Kramer, who uh, kickstarted Daily Dev, one of the most exciting and growing uh, developer communities. So welcome both. Uh, really happy to have you here. Uh, Rosie, I'd love it if you take a second just to more formally introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, some juicy detail we should know. Ah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm Rosie in the UK, as we established earlier. Um, I've I've been doing community for, for quite a while now. I kind of discovered it back 2005-ish, did meetups, did a co-working space, uh, wow. then um, founded Ministry of Testing. I bootstrapped that for 10 years before wow. uh, handing it over to someone else. So that's still running without me and I, I still own it. Um, so, th so that was fun. But um, I, th I think basically like from the early days, I, from when I discovered community, I just like, I, I kind of knew that that, that was me. Um, and I guess me stepping back from ministry of testing about three years ago now, it was like me just wanting to focus more on community community rather than uh, specifically growing ministry of testing more I was more interested in spending time learning about community so that's um where, where i've been heading for the past three years that's incredible great work you've done incredible community work and it's noticeable and awesome thank you welcome to the show תודה.היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,היי,
serves developers in all sorts of kinds of needs that are not particularly coding. It's not about like making code more efficient, writing it better, auto-completing it, whatever. It's more about being a developer as a persona. Um, so we're helping developers stay up to date. We're helping developers meet like-minded people to have meaningful discussions and, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and a really cool detail about myself is that uh, I'm part of running a developer community, but I'm not a developer, which is something that always shocks <laughs> developers in our community that, I, I you know, think that's how, come? <laughs> how come you're not a developer? Like, so that's, that's one of the, we, we call it a non-practicing engineer. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds super legit, way over the top for me. <laughs> For sure, for sure. So, welcome. I, I think, I think, I think, Nimrod. One day, I'm gonna have to shout out uh, Francesco. I, I follow him on Twitter. He's fantastic. Yeah, he does. Thanks, thanks. Really. Francesco is Definitely, our developer yeah. advocate. And by the way, whenever I say that I'm not a developer, he always adds yet. Like he was like, "You're not a developer <laughs> yet. It's just a matter of time until you become like that, whether you want it or not." <laughs> I aspire. I aspire as well, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both. So. Um, I guess the first question that uh, that we probably all have is what what makes uh, a community a truly thriving community? What are the unique qualities that you feel like um, you need to recognize or kind of uh, strive for in order to consider it a thriving community, Rosie? Oh man, big question. Um, I think I think it's like a really hard question because like every every community is different. We never said it would be easy to answer the questions on the show. <laughs> we like to make it challenging. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I th I think like a lot of people like go into community and they want a recipe and they want to know how to do it, but actually like the I think the real the real key is just to be individual each time you, you approach community and, and look at what you're trying to solve or looking looking at the people you're trying to serve and, and coming up with kind of um, ideas or things to do or ways to connect or pro, you know problems to solve I think you know when you when you can kind of go go deep what I call like community research is that you discover all these things that you could do and that's to me like the potential of what could be like a thriving community. And I think perhaps like not enough people go deep. And I think it's like when you go deep and, and, and you try really hard to, to look for those opportunities, that's, that's when you find the, 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 the gaps and the ways to make community exciting, the ways to kind of bring new ideas on board and, and do something different. For sure. And I think yeah. you don't always you don't always need to start off with something big. It could just be a small idea, right? Just a, here, I got this like, small project that I worked on. It's, you know, it's a few tens of lines of code or whatever it is, open source. Hey, anyone want to help build on it and grow it from there, right? And it, it, hopefully it just finds a mind of, mind of its own and enough people really start to get interested and, and it grows from there. Absolutely. And I think like a lot of people think about community and they're like, oh, we want a community, but actually like you have to do a bunch of stuff before you actually have community. And so like these days I'm trying to say like, before you have community, you have to have conversations. So it's like focus on those conversations or those activities or like those lines of code and create something that starts a conversation. And then in, the more you do that, then that's when like community starts to emerge. Um, 
and that's like purpose. Yeah, that's what, and that's like how I'm trying to think about community more these days. It's like there's this gap that people struggle with, and I'm trying to like break it down to to the smallest possible pieces so that people understand how to actually get to community. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, uh, Imran? What uh, what really are the unique qualities of a thriving community? So I think I totally agree with what Rosie said. It always or usually starts with something that people have in common. It can be a pain, it can be a need, it can be a topic, it can be an open source library, it can be whatever. Um, But when it comes to making a community thrive, the way I try to look at it and and what we do is to be as authentic as possible. Because once you're sending the authenticity, then other people feel comfortable being authentic as well. And, and this sets the ground for, it's a big word, but sets the ground for a good culture in the community and, mm-hmm. and um, where people can express their opinion, where people can unleash their creativity. And mm-hmm. that's super important. So that's like, that's like the basics. Then if you get this right, I think that the big dream is to have a community that runs itself so that people are so empowered and they feel so such a you know strong sense of belonging that they try to create initiatives around the community and that they try to be active and to contribute in various ways depending on the community and whatever it has to offer but this is kind of like the big dream where where you have a community it can have a community manager or even a management team uh, or a committee whatever but uh where people can actually um do their thing and, and contribute and that they feel that it makes a difference yeah, I love that. Yeah, it actually reminds me of the Apache Software Foundation kind of motto that I always liked, that always resonated with me, like be open, friendly, patient, uh, and kind. And and uh, and I I think of that like that authenticity is kind of derived from that, right? It's like you need to be welcoming and open and friendly and patient with people that are new and uh, a lot of that. So yeah, that just kind of uh, reminded me of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree more definitely with what Rosie said and with Neem Road. Is I wanted to get a little bit into just a, a bit more about the actual building uh, of communities. Um, if you can, we'll start with Union Road. You know, what kind of goes into just building a, a great community in general? And, and what are the ways that you define success? And how would you know, let's say you're on the right track or, how, you know, if you have to recalibrate? All right. So, so in our case, um... I don't have like a framework or, or some methodology around it. It happened more or less the, the way Rosie described it. So it started from a pain of developers uh, wanting to stay up to date, which apparently is a hassle. Like there is uh, such an abundance of content, you know, content became commodity. Developers are now creators. They're doing a bunch of stuff beyond uh, writing uh, code and, and, you know, fixing bugs, etc. cetera. Uh, so it started just, you know, from around, putting all the developer news in one place and ranking them, um, which you kind of like wonder, hey, why don't they use Hacker News? And then when you go to Hacker News, you realize, all right, there is some content for developers, but it's not, doesn't speak the language of development, doesn't have the look and feel that developers expect to have, and a lot of other things are missing, personalization, et cetera. So um, it all started from a side project. So um, we kind of built this thing, a bunch of other developers found that, online i don't know how one of them seriously like we don't know how one of them just decided to launch it on product hunt without even talking to us 
and and wow. it wasn't a community at that stage right there were just people who were passionate about the product and all of a sudden we have several thousand developers using that thing and and this is where they started interacting this is where the conversation started to happen and 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 one of the things that we've done is since it was a side project we say hey let's just open source the whole thing so people started to contribute people started to build things that were missing and um fast forward a little bit longer we it, it created such a gravity that it pulled us in then in terms of like how do you define success that's probably you know the the hardest things um in in devrel and in community building um measuring stuff um but again i think that at least in my agenda there are some uh qualitative aspects and uh, that, that you should be uh, very well aware of them and what i'm trying to see is the amount of of people who are actively contributing meaningful stuff beyond just commenting liking i don't know following starring on github those kind of more vanity stuff i want to see people suggesting ideas i want to see people asking to contribute i want to see people being involved in in events and all sorts of stuff and i want to see that happening recurring uh, i want to see that happening over and over again with with people so usually you start with the small grain with just a few people who are really passionate about stuff that you're doing and then it grows from there uh, so they are the first lunatics and and then you know <laughs> other people start picking up the movement um it's interesting and, that the, and, that's how you uh quantify success because uh you know like many times in open source kind of communities they also say the keyboard is stronger than the mouse so like mm -hmm. when people are like commenting or reaching out to you or uh whatever it is it's kind of it has the same kind of uh vibe yeah the keyboards people are writing you and telling you they want to get involved and they want to you know do things that are a little bit more meaningful than just liking and tweeting and i like that uh and in terms of like the second part of the question how do you know that you need to recalibrate i think Um, again, it circles back to authenticity. So once you feel that people are defensive, this is probably, you know, the, the biggest red flag. And it becomes a black flag once the community becomes toxic. And it becomes a black flag with a pirate icon on it when <laughs> it becomes toxic and people stop um, rejecting that toxicity. This is where people become apathic. And, and if you're in that stage, your community is probably dead. Um, but if you're getting close to that stage and, and the early signs is, is people being uh, defensive, this is where you should really start thinking on, on, I don't know, moderation really depends on the type of community and where, and where it lives, but this mm -hmm. is where you really want to set things straight as fast as possible. And it's usually, you know, the, the bigger the community, the harder it gets. Yeah. Absolutely. Rosie, Rosie will ask you the same. <laughs> Interesting to hear the moderation angle. What one idea that I don't necessarily believe a hundred percent, but like sometimes I think like a successful community is one that you don't have to moderate because people know self moderate. They self moderate. They they support the community. Um, you're tr you're only like focusing on attracting the right kind of people. You're not trying to grow for the sake of it. Therefore, you're not attracting the wrong kind of people, and it kind of mostly um moderates itself right um so i think like as you know one potential way to measure your success if you've if you've gotten to a certain stage is like how much do you have to deal with all the like crappy work all the moderation all the um you know cleaning up of stuff like constantly and it's like that's not fun work and if you don't have to do any of that that's like 
that's like really good like from a community builder's perspective it's like yay you get to focus on other things you don't have to like really like waste your energy on on, on moderating and, and all the kind of downturns um that that come with it so i guess rosie since uh you know uh, you're such like kind of a well-known persona in the community sphere. First of all, I'd like to just take a pause and actually dive a little bit more into the rosy land that you're trying to build and everything that you've kind of, uh, you know, done on the community front. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like kind of what you're uh, setting out to do there and kind of uh, your next uh, adventure. Yeah, I mean, rosy land literally is just meant to start as a, as a blog, as a newsletter. Um, it's, a it it's already starting great. <laughs> You got fans. <laughs> I, I, I was actually, I, when I started it, I was at Indie Hackers. So I, I led the community at Indie Hackers for a couple of years. And I was trying to think of a name to start like a community blog. Uh, I hadn't written about community. And I was just like, well, you know, what, what do I call it? I didn't want it to be like my rosysherry.com thing. <laughs> I wanted it just to be something for, for community. And then an Indie Hacker like pinged me. He's like, yo, Rosie, do you know that rosie.land is available? I was like, oh, no, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you should go grab it. So I grabbed it. Um, <laughs> and really, just like, Ro Rosyland is really like, uh, I've used the term Rosyland for a, a number of years as that like this crazy space up in my head. Like I go, I go off and I wonder and I dream about things. So really, obviously it's got my name in it but that's really like what it is to me but in this context it's in the context of community and um, and I guess like as it's evolved I want to make communities more rosy like more you know just like add a bit of fun add a bit of um you know just energy into it I guess um and yeah I guess like like when I started, I was like, can I even write about community? I wasn't sure if I could. It's only been like a couple of years, I think, since I started writing. But like the, the more I've like started writing, the more I've done the, my weekly newsletter, the more I've like just like started to see that, oh my God, like community just, there's this whole, there's this big hole in community that we haven't actually addressed. And there's so so much room to, I feel to, to make, community better to teach community to um, understand actually like what how to communicate what community is and how to build them um, and I, I just don't think there's enough out there um, and that's what Rosyland is, is I, again a bit like Ministry of Testing it's kind of the same but for communities that I believe like the community industry is really young um, and there's so much room for it to improve and like Rosie Land's my my little contribution towards that. It's an incredible contribution. I couldn't agree more. When I was at one of my previous roles, um, it, literally in a community role, and it was supposed to be more of like kind of a strategic community role. Um, and one of the hardest uh, parts for me was actually building a really organized framework and methodology for community because a lot of it is, depends on how, certain things are received or the activities are received. And it's a lot of, you know, um, trial and error and figuring out kind of what resonates with, with your community, what kind of activities the community is looking for, what kind of content, what, um, and, and it's very interesting that, that, that you put it that way because, because for me, it was always very difficult also to communicate kind of 
what comprises community. And I have this post that I wrote about like the unquantifiable heart and soul of community, which I feel like really there's that authenticity that Nimrod spoke about, like where it's like there's something, there needs to be something more, which brings me to my next and question, which is a little bit on the secret sauce, which I want to ask both of you, uh, but I'll start with Rosie, just to segue up from the Rosie land. Like, what is it, how would you define or what, what do you consider the secret sauce of community that really makes it a place that people want to gravitate to? And I mean, you were at Orbit in your previous uh, capacity and like they call it love, right? They call it um, their, their company is Orbit.love. So what is that that cultivates that um, that really strong passion to be a part of the community? What's, it, what's that thing? Yeah, so Orbit kind of call it love. Previously, I would call it kindness. I'll go. <laughs> Sorry, good. Uh, um, but really, it's it's about people and caring for them and seeing what they have to give, seeing what people don't see in themselves and giving people those opportunities. Um, and I think the sad thing is in this same world, it's, it's just so hard for people to see the goodness in themselves and we need in community is that we can if other people can see that for them and give them opportunities rather than people having to fight for them what the world is like full of fighting for opportunities fighting for jobs fighting fighting to get promoted all these things whereas like if in community you can just like hand it to people on the plate almost that to me is like the secret sauce and like every time I do that um people are just like amazed or wowed or like you know, it's, it's, it's like um, giving people this first uh, speaking gig example. So I mean, with Ministry of Tessie, I was, I was responsible for so many people getting their first speaking gig because I'd literally like go up to them and talk to them and I'd be like, you should talk about that. You should submit something on that. That's a great idea. And there's a whole bunch of people that have, have just like grown up through Ministry of Testing from me doing that. But as a result, like other people would do that as well. And so it's like this whole culture kind of kind of grew up from it. And it's not just for speaking, it's for hosting events, it's for writing, it's for all, all these like, you know, trying to look at the different ways that people con can contribute and not only valuing like the, the obvious, like speaking gigs is like kind of like the obvious thing, but people can contribute in so many ways. And um, I think that's it. It's just like, you know, caring, creating connection, caring, and and supporting people to grow with without expecting anything back. And I think I think that's what businesses Never struggle with. Never takers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nimrod, what's your take? What do you? What's your secret sauce in the daily deaf community? I, I totally resonate. I totally mm -hmm. resonate with that. I think the secret sauce is just to do everything people first. This is it's just it. Like be very very straightforward be very honest try to put yourself in other people's shoes how do they feel how can how can they be empowered um what are the the barriers that we can that we can help them overcome and and, and essentially you know just be there for them in many cases it's only about listening it's just about having the, the safe place where people can share and that's fine no action items no kpis no okrs all those kind of <laughs> things um and just talk about stuff that that matter to people um so i think the the secret sauce is just being 
everything people first. And, and this ties, by the way, to all the metrics and the measurement that it's really hard to test activities that are, you know, just on a people first basis. There's no way to measure, I know, human empathy or human um, interaction. In, in a, like, it's really hard. And I wouldn't say there's no way, but it's really hard to measure that. So um, th that's the secret sauce. Once you put your heart out there, once you do things um, with a lot of care, uh, this is where where the magic starts happening. Okay. Nice. Let's say you know we're talking about getting a community just off the ground. What what's what what kind of things should um, someone focus on when they're just starting a community and when they're you know trying to get a kick started? And I'd love for you if you could, uh, Rosie, just uh, kind of tighten the question, like maybe focus a little bit on the differentiators between I guess a product community, an open source community, maybe just like kind of a uh, common purpose community and just kind of give your insights on how one would go about like kind of thinking about how to get these started. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I like I like the analogy of like community just happens, right? I think perhaps sometimes if you create products or communities of practice, um, community just emerges because it's, a, it's the right kind of situation. Um, and I think, I think that's really important to, to think about is like when you're starting communities that you're not necessarily building community, you're just trying to do good things with, and, and share what you're doing and hoping that along the way you'll, you'll make some friends. And then um, along the way, then you, you gain respect and people will want to join along for the ride. It's like, you know, the, the beginnings of a, of, of a movement. Um, and I think like, when, when I try to recommend to people is like when they're starting is just like do good things do interesting things no matter whether, whether it's like a community of practice or community of product it's just like you use what you have and use the direction you want to head towards and do really interesting fun educational whatever it is things that really captures people's imagination and that's really where like I think the, the like it's the best, the best way to kind of just like pull people in naturally because like when you try to force it too much and when you try to say oh we're a community come come join it's yeah. like people join but it's like why why are they actually joining it's it's much better to like capture their attention with, with something really um useful or you know creative that that actually means something to them and then they come in naturally if you're building a community of product it's like you should be thinking about like how are you going to help your people? How how can you be creative to help your people? How how can you like solve their problems and and support them al uh, along the way? One of the things that um, both of you are kind of being a little bit humble about, <laughs> and, uh, and the things that you're saying, and kind of you're saying some of it like wasn't intentional, as you said in Nimrod, and some things that you're saying is just like kind of um, sometimes it just happens organically. But one of the thing, underlying things that you, um, both of you have not explicitly said is there is a lot of work though that it goes into making all of that happen. And there needs to be somebody driving all of that momentum and what I call chopping wood and carrying water, right? Um, there is somebody doing this heavy lifting in order to make sure that that happens. So just a little bit on kind of like some of the activities, I guess, um, that you could get started on to see if like kind of there is that common purpose or, you know, if uh, if people do feel like they, they, uh, they want to be a part of like this conversation. Some of the things that you've done or some of the activities that you've done, Rosie, that uh, that have helped like kind of build out your community, I guess. Yeah, um, 
indie hackers, I guess an example that I like to refer to is uh, getting indie hackers their first sale or getting indie hackers their first mention on Twitter um, or surprising them with, with some kind of um, mention that helps them grow their following. Um, that that to me is like like creating memorable experiences, I guess, is like a, a big one from, mm -hmm. from, from that aspect. Um, trying to think what, what else are good examples. Uh, Ministry of Testing, I did a newspaper, like a physical newspaper. Oh, cool. Which That's was... Cool. Really, really nice. It had great branding. Um, we we posted it out. We gave it out at conferences, um, and it it kind of has a, a, a I guess community flywheel effect. It has a loop effect where we're creating something. Uh, the people are involved in making it. It gets handed out at conferences. People take photos of it. You know, all all this like um, kind of uh, flywheel effect that um, I, I write about. A bit more these days but it's, it has that kind of natural basically a natural kind of marketing type effect where mm -hmm. uh, people like to, you know continually talk about it or they have a good reason to talk about it and i like i like to try to think of, of ways to build community with, with that in mind to keep building upon what, what we have and to tap into into the people and into the things that would they would naturally share mm -hmm. awesome. really awesome and Nimrod, I feel like, you know, I, when I first, like, when we first met, like, when I don't know, it was a couple years ago already, um, Daily Dev was, like, a website and then managed to build, like, a thriving meetup group and other, like, kind of channels where people, like, uh, you know, thrive and, and communicate and are constantly kind of engaged. What went into kind of adding those layers to your community and kind of making it a place where people want to congregate? Mm -hmm. So, so you're referring mostly to the to the event part, or you want me to go one step before that? Go one step before, uh, yeah. Tell like kind of how you understood that you needed to expand and to create like kind of more channels for people to continue the conversation and yeah. All right. So, um, so so two two things. One one is a story about amplifying your voice um, when you're just getting started, and so that other people would would even be aware that there is some kind of movement going on. And the second story is about um, trying to give back. Once you're being heard, try to give back and, and use that um, as a motion to, uh, to bring people on board and, and make them more engaged into everything that you do. Um, so, so the first story starts with, with us just wanting to thank some of the most active community members. So we went back and we went like and just planned to create a swag box and we were not aware of uh, super awesome services that do it for you. So we just mm -hmm. went supplier by supplier and we ordered everything. And all of a sudden my apartment was full of, you know, like boxes and, and like all various stuff and, and handwritten notes like that we've been writing to people. Sounds like my um, life. <laughs> yes, boxes, boxes, yes. Boxes, boxes. Done that too many times, too many times. <laughs> yep, yep. And you know, and, and it's it's such it's such a simple thing, and we started shipping those boxes, and and we had a few extras, and we said like, all right, what could, what what good thing can we do with it? Um, that will also serve the community, will also amplify the voice. So um, we identified several people, mostly on Twitter, that were actively sharing updates about 
everything that's happening in the developer's world, which is kind of what we're all about, about staying up to date, et cetera. And, and we just reached out and said like, hey, we want to give you this box as, um, as, as kind of a thank you uh, for everything that you've been doing and we expect nothing in return. And that, that was genuine. Like we were very explicit that we're expecting nothing in return. And they got that. And what we didn't understand is that most of them are content creators. And once they're getting a swag box, they would do um, like, uh, you know, an unboxing, an un- unboxing video. So we were yeah. very naive, you know, being honest, again, talking about my imposter syndrome up until two years from now, two years ago, I wasn't in that, in that domain at all. So I wasn't aware of what we we're doing. So we just shipped uh, several boxes to people on Twitter and they started unboxing this and it created some, some kind of, uh, I don't know, like conversations around, hey, what's what's daily.dev? Like what they're all about. And people started talking about it. And, wow. and we still had a few few more boxes left. So yeah. we said what we're going to do. And this is when people first approach came in and said, all right, we're not gonna just duplicate that thing and send it over again. Let's just ask the people who got the boxes to nominate other people that deserve to get the box. Nice. That's that was it. And when they nominated, this is when we had like a really uh, nice win moment where um, everybody's happy, basically, both the person, the nominee, the nominator, et cetera. And, and from that point, we started building relationships with those people. And those people really helped us in the, in the first days and even up until today to amplify the voice of everything that we're doing. Some part of it was intentional in the sense that we wanted them to get the box, but we were never aware of, of how it's going you know, to, to, to end up being so critical for us in the in the early weeks and months and the second story is once we got a little bit bigger and we already had some uh, several thousands or even tens of thousands of, of people in the in the community we said how can we scale that up and there, there's no right answer and we thought we want to experiment with stuff but experimentation didn't feel right again with this people first like we don't want you don't want to do experiments in humans so we just <laughs> like we just tried to to think what can we do good and and the most intuitive thing we said like hey let's do events but you know with covid and everything there was such an inflation of events and we 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 really felt that there's something missing there but we didn't know what is that so again we went back to the people that were most engaged and we started talking to them to understand like what how do they feel about virtual events and what we realized is the as many of them want to participate in events, but there are various problems. Uh, one problem is that there are sometimes very high quality events, but they're not consistent. So it's really hard to find them. The second type of problem is um, events that are just not so good and you end up spending, wasting your time uh, basically. And there are other types of events which are both high quality and consistent, but in many cases they're being hosted by a mega tech company that's clearly biased at promoting their stuff. And people don't feel you know, 100% uh, cool with that. I mean, they like it because it's interesting, et cetera, but we felt like, what if we can do something that is both, both consistent, it's world-class in terms of speakers, and it's non-biased. Every time we're gonna talk about different stuff, we're gonna bring speakers all across the board in, in a very diverse manner, just to, to use the fact that we have an audience um, and, and to give back. Uh, and this is when we created a series called The Monthly Dev, mm-hmm. uh, which is by now one of the most active meetup groups in the West Coast. I just got to know it recently. Um, the meetup.com team reached out and they wanted us to speak about it. And, um, and in this event, we said, like, let's do a theme of 
kind of TED for developers where you're trying to bring speakers, both open source maintainers or very small libraries, and even like, I don't know, dev tool CEOs and, you know, guys that run mega operations, like, um, uh, I'm not going to self plug, um, but we have a very nice speaker tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, and, you know, we started just with a test. We, we had one event and it was massive. We had 7,000 developers attending. We were shocked. Wow. So we realized that there's something here. And, um, and now we're doing our 15th event. Last year, we had more than 30,000 developers participating in, in those kinds of events. And we realized that there's something here that once you just put speakers to inspire others, to, to help people um, unleash their creativity, this is where, where things happen, where you don't have, we don't have an agenda. Like there's no agenda there. The only agenda is let's meet up once a month, talk about interesting stuff, explore new ideas, and that's it. No sponsorships, no anything. Incredible. Wonderful. Rosie, Nimrod, it was awesome to have both of you on. Yeah. And Sharon, yeah. another one, another one in the can, as they say. Did so it. we're looking forward to, <laughs> to new to new episodes in the future and we hope to be in Rosie, the and we gotta bring you to Tel Aviv. We gotta bring you to Tel Aviv. You would love that. Uh, awesome. That's absolutely. Awesome. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. Thank so you both very me. much. Have a great day, evening, Thank and you. we will be in touch. We're all in evening hours, I think. That's it. All in evening right now. A whole, uh, EU group, your EMEA group. It's <laughs> 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 rare. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye.